Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Happy 2018, everybody. I'm back with a little one-off episode. Today I've spoken to the head of the addictions group here at Liverpool, Professor Matt Field, about dry January. This idea or challenge, I suppose, where you give up booze for the month. Matt and I discuss what it is, who's doing it, and crucially whether there's any evidence or not that there's any health benefits or psychological benefits for doing it. But before we start... I was approached at the end of last year by someone asking whether there were any transcripts of the existing podcasts available. The simple answer at the time was no, but that's where the amazing Transcription Centre came in. They're working through the back catalogue at the moment, transcribing Pip and my chats about various drugs. I'm going to set up a WordPress site probably to host them, and I'll be sharing the link when I do. But for now, I heartily recommend this Transcription Centre, their website's transcriptioncentre.co.uk, for all of your transcription needs. Also, if you find them and follow them on Twitter, you'll get 10% off your next order if you DM them mentioning this. Okay, so that's promo over. Here's Professor Matt Field and I saying why to dry January. Great. Uh, I'm trying to avoid my New Year's resolution is to stop saying the word so at the beginning of every sentence. But it's really difficult to not go, so I'm here today with (laughs) Professor Matt Field. But I'm here today with Professor Matt Field, who is one of my colleagues at the University of Liverpool. So, Matt, would you like to... Now, I've already said so. I'm going to be really noticing it now. Uh, (laughs) uh, Matt, would you like to tell the listeners a bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, so um, I'm, um, as he says, I'm at the University of Liverpool. I've been here for nearly 14 years and uh, I lead, I head up the addiction group here. I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in all things alcohol. In particular, I'm interested in how people change. So why some people drink too much and how people, how some people might learn to, to, to change their behaviour, particularly how do they change their drinking behaviour. Great. So given that it is the, what is it, the 11th of January when we're recording this and you're interested in behaviour change around alcohol, it seems like a perfect opportunity to talk about something that a lot of people are probably doing at the moment, which is dry January. So can you tell us a little bit about what is dry January? Yeah, I mean, it's a, in the UK, it's a campaign that's been run by Alcohol Concerned for the last 
uh, five or six years. And they're a charity. They're a, they're a, they're a, yeah, they're a charity um, which has recently merged with Elcor Research UK. But yeah, they're a British charity, um, and they kind of promote the campaign. This idea of taking a, a completely abstaining from alcohol for a month. They frame it as a way of re-evaluating your relationship with alcohol. So it's it's not really a short-term fix, but you, the idea is you you try it for a month and you you might kind of realise that you're drinking too much or you might realise, the, the hope is you might realise you're drinking too much, but actually you don't really miss alcohol that much and maybe you'll drink a bit less in the future. But it really capitalises on the, on, the, on the tendency of people to um, try and be a bit more healthy in January. So th- give things, things like up. New Year's resolutions. Exactly, and... capitalising on things like New Year's resolutions. So generally people, after the excess of Christmas and the New Year period, people in January, um, they like to join gyms, they like to try and lose a bit of weight and dry January. And, and people have been trying to take a month, included within that, people have been trying to take a month off alcohol for a lot longer than the campaign's been official. Um, but as well as Dry January, we also have there's Dryathlon, which is um, which is also in January, but that's more about people getting sponsorship, getting sponsored to abstain. Um, in Australia, they have Dry July because because it's in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the seasons are inverted, um, and we also have Dry uh, Sober for October um, in the UK as well. Um, but dry January has a lot more sign-ups, probably because it perfectly aligns with New Year's resolutions, etc. So that's uh, interesting. People sign up to take part in it because, mm-hmm. I mean, anecdotally, and obviously it's great science yeah. based on anecdote. I know quite a few people who aren't drinking this month, but who won't necessarily have yeah. sort of signed up to anything. They've just decided to do dry January, but yeah. might not necessarily realise there's. Is there any benefit of sort of well, signing up to take part? There might be. There's a YouGov survey from last year, 2017, which showed they estimated from this survey that about 5 million people in the UK took part in dry January in the sense that they abstained from alcohol for a month. But you can contrast that with registrations with the dry January campaign, which were only about 60,000. Mm. So most people are not signing up to a campaign, yeah. But actually, that was going to be my next question, is sort of how many people roughly mm-hmm. do dry January and has that, I guess, that has that gone up? It certainly seems like yeah. this year in particular, so registra- there's loads of stuff around it. Yeah, so registrations with, dry, with alcohol, with the dry January campaign have gone up year on year. Um, they're still only at about 60,000. But we also know just from tracking from other sources, just from tracking um, our, how many people are actually actively trying to reduce their drinking, we do see a spike in that. In, we see a spike in attempts to cut down in January. And yeah, like I said, this, this YouGov survey estimated that it's about 5 million, which, you know, which is a hefty proportion of adults are, try, uh, are, are trying to abstain completely. Okay, so the big question, what, what's the point? Does it work? Why, yeah. why would, what's the theory behind cutting out alcohol for a month? So this has been the source of a bit of disagreement about whether there's any point to it at all. Alcohol concerns idea is that it's not it's not going to undo year, the consequences of years and years of heavy drinking, but what it can do is it's um, um, in the short term you'll you'll almost certainly see health benefits. In fact, there's a small study from a group in London that's not been through peer review, but the findings are pretty unsurprising. They just tracked a small sample, about 20 or 30 volunteers who'd done it. They just measured things like blood pressure, liver function, blood glucose, that kind of thing. They measured those things before January and afterwards, and they showed really dramatic improvements in absolutely everything they measured. And this would it would be very unsurprising if you didn't see that. Um, so in the short term, undoubtedly, it has health benefits including perhaps most importantly to your liver function Um, and there's also evidence which we can talk about a bit later um, about the kind of psychological benefits so 
many people who take part report that their sleep improves, that they they have a bit more energy. So in the short term, undoubtedly, it doesn't it does you it does you more good than harm. The question is about the the kind of long term consequences of it. So some people argue that it's kind of sending out a message that if you have a month off, you can just do, drink as you please for the rest hmm. for the rest of the year. Um, and anecdotally, some people do report that that's exactly what they do. They use it to to detox, which is a you've probably talked you might have talked about this on your blog well, before. Potentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the air quotes that you sort of put into the word detox there, I think, said it all. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some people like to think that it's it might undo the consequences of... But I mean, it, kind of what you said, if it short-term does improve your liver function, then that sort of is... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But your liver will... Your liver is... While your liver is quick to repair itself, it's also quick to be damaged yeah. all over again. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's not going to be a substitute for moderation, as with everything... The best way to to improve your the function of the, your your head, your general health is to stick to the government guidelines, which are um, to limit your consumption to 14, 14 units per week. But arguably, more importantly, at least in terms of liver function, it's to make sure you have at least a few days abstinent days per week. So, some of the criticism of the Dry January campaign is that there's a it creates a bit of a, an implicit conflict between the message of okay moderation throughout the year. Um, versus complete abstinence and then do what you like the rest of the year. But it's important to emphasise that Alcohol Concern and the other other organisations which promote these these kind of campaigns, none of them say if you none of them encourage you to kind of go on a bender in February. <laughs> yeah, and is there? So you mentioned some evidence there about the kind of short term effects. Mm-hmm. Is there any evidence around sort of longer term? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, there's a study conducted by a psychologist at the University of Sussex in collaboration with Alcohol Concern, which just followed up people who'd signed up to the Alcohol Concern campaign, and it just followed them up six months later. So they were people who'd signed up to the campaign were recontacted in July, and one of the things they were interested in was they were asking um, they were asking how much people were drinking and how often they were drinking, and broadly what they found was um, that about 50% of those people said they were drinking less as compared to... And about 15% of them said they were drinking more and 35% of them said there was no change. So that's pretty impressive, really, if you compare the 50, 5 with the 15, uh, that most more people are drinking less than, than drinking more. So that suggests... It has a beneficial effect. The problem with this is that they couldn't recontact most of the people that had originally signed up for the campaign. Um, and in fact, they only managed to recontact about 22% of the original sample. Mm. So you've got 78% of people who you couldn't contact. And we really need to know, we want to know how much they were drinking as well. So, And also, I guess there's no control group in that there's no people who didn't take part in dry January no. to see whether their drinking changes similarly over no. the... Well, there might be all sorts of other things impacting on... Totally. Drinking. So there's two things there. One of them is that they they actually looked at they looked at long term outcomes in people who signed up for dry January and completed it, and also people who signed up for dry January but didn't didn't mm-hmm. manage to last the month. And what they found there was that the people that tried dry January but didn't manage to to last the month, they were still drinking. Mostly, they were still drinking less six months later, which suggests that there's something about the act of wanting to change your drinking, which is important. Yeah. Having said that, the reductions in drinking were larger in the people who succeeded. But again, that's really impossible to disentangle from the problem, the issue of motivation, which is what I'm really interested Mm. in. People who sign up to a campaign are by nature 
motivated to change their drinking. And probably, as we've said, all the people that try and abstain in January without signing up for a campaign, they're also motivated to reduce their drinking, but perhaps less so than the people who go the extra step of signing up for something. Yeah. You know, you've kind of got an external force there. You know, you've, you've promised someone you're going to do something. And even if it's an organisation, it's a faceless organisation, it still means something. We know the psychology of committing to something publicly is, is very powerful. The big problem with evaluating all of these things is that you've got a self-selected sample of people who are motivated to do something about their drinking. Um, most people who sign up for these campaigns are drinking more than they should be. And something called regression to the mean means that most of them will probably, be, probably reduce their drinking anyway, on average at least. The nature of the sample, people who want to reduce their drinking, it's impossible to, to attribute any kind of long-term change to... Is it just them, or is it the fact that they abstained for, for a month? Did, did the abstaining for a month do something useful for them? And we just don't know. The one way to evaluate this, and this is a piece of research that we're currently, we'd like to do, um, is to actually try and recruit a group of people who want to reduce their drinking and then actually randomise them to abstain for a month versus try and restrict their drinking in some other less absolute way, maybe like just you know limit your drinking to a few days a week, and then follow them up. And then that should answer the question of, is it the abstaining for a month, which helps you to abstain, or is it just the being motivated and trying to do something that... Yeah, just um, feeling like someone's taking a notice in what you're doing and having to sort of report to someone, whether it's from completely stopping or just from cutting down, but being sort of signed up to something, whether that's the key factor. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, not, absolutely not... um, trying to belittle or dismiss the campaign. I think it plays a really important role. But until we do this kind of research, which is a lot more difficult to do, we'll never know if taking a month off really does have these kind of long-term benefits or not. I think the fact that it's in January is quite interesting as well. So before we started recording, you mentioned some stats that I think is now is a good time to bring them in. And those were around taking measures from people who took part in dry January at the end of January mm-hmm. and finding that most of them had, or around half of them, had lost some weight. Yeah. You know, you've got Let me give you the stats. Yeah. So basically this is um, from the this university of Sussex, study conducted by the University of Sussex. They, they asked people how they were feeling and how they thought the month had gone for them. They asked them at, right at the end of January, beginning of February. And what they found was that um, of people who'd signed up for the campaign, 79% of them said they'd save money which is perhaps unsurprising, Um, 62% said they'd slept better and 49% said they'd lost weight. So those things are quite impressive, but... What's important to bear in mind is there's a a lot of variability there. This is at the end of the month Mm. as well. And in people who've successfully did it. Yes, exactly. We're now in the middle of January. Um, I mean, I'm doing it this month. I'm not sure... I was actually quite happy at the start of January. I'm not sure. I was, I was sleeping quite well um, at the start of the month anyway. But um, my, the point is, is that if people, are do, if people are midway through the month now, and think, a thing to remember is that not everyone notices the same benefits. Some people might sleep better, but they might, they might feel awful. Or some people might feel great, but not actually sleep any better. Not everyone's going to lose weight. Well, it's like under half. Exactly, under people. half people lose weight. And that, that might be because when you're not drinking, you might be snacking. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, all those Christmas leftovers. Exactly, Christmas yeah. leftovers. We've <laughs> only just got through our um, cheese, and I'm 
almost finished the chocolate, but you know, it's working, still, on, it. working on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not everyone is going to experience these benefits, and even and that's just from that's from a from an evaluation which really should have, if anything, those estimates are going to be going to be at the upper end, yeah. really. And even with these supposed benefits, that even with these benefits of dry January. Now, they're, all, they're likely to be at least partly attributable to reducing drinking. But again, you've got this problem of they're a self-selected sample. Now, we've talked about January and New Year's resolutions. What else do people do in January? Well, they probably do more exercise. They probably eat a bit healthier. They probably get to bed a bit earlier. Um, lots of things happen. And it could be that the people who sign up to Dry January are the also types of people who of might be things. more likely to do those things. Yeah. So until you... Um, it's you know I'm a I'm a researcher as, as like you it's uh, you really you really really like to do a, a kind of a randomized controlled trial to try and separate out all the noise and try and so you can understand a bit more about well what is it what can we specifically attribute to redu- abstaining from alcohol you know it's good news if you're doing it um, you're likely to see some benefit but just remember that not everyone sees sees the same benefits and it. Um, some of the be- we don't know when the benefits appear. I mean, it might be that some of them like feel just feeling more energy, feeling like you've got more energy. You might notice that before your sleep improves. Um, some people, not everyone, will save money because you might treat yourself to something else that you aren't. Whether you might, if you're keeping tabs on the amount of money you're saving, you might think, well, I'll just I'll just spend all that on clothes then. Yeah. You know <laughs> Um, something that we talked about at the end of last year, because I think both, I'm not doing dry January and you are doing dry mm-hmm. January, but mm-hmm. la- we both didn't drink last November That's right, yeah. for the month. And it was about this time, sort of roughly two weeks into mm-hmm. November, that we had a conversation and I was saying how... I found it quite annoying because I wasn't sleeping better. I was sleeping quite badly. Mm-hmm. And I'd read all these things saying, oh, my skin suddenly improved and I wasn't yeah. finding that and all of this stuff. And I was just feeling a bit downheartened about mm-hmm. the whole thing. So this kind of made me wonder, do, like, how much do you have to be drinking to see a benefit from dry, dry January mm-hmm. or taking a month of alcohol? And has anyone looked into that? Mm-hmm. And is it something like SSRIs or cognitive enhancers where if you're already below a certain threshold, then actually mm-hmm. it probably isn't going to make much difference. Yeah. I guess there's probably not the evidence on As that. you can probably guess, there isn't really the evidence in, um, on that. I mean, we know that some of, the, some of the consequences of long-term heavy drinking might be irreversible, like some of the cognitive deficits and some of the, you know, the, the, your, the, your skin, and some of those things. Then oh, it, this it, is it, interesting. So I uh, went for the, maybe I'm not drinking enough to feel the benefit, and you went for, maybe you're drinking so much <laughs> that you're not feeling the benefit. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Possibly. Um, I mean, or it, yes. I, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you've got a ceiling effect in the quality of your skin, and that you can't. Yeah. It's already very nice, and you can't. Oh, oh sorry. That's right. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that's interesting. Then that we sort of, we don't really know. Has anyone taken note of the amount that people are drinking at the beginning of dry January? The people who sign up to take part. Mm-hmm. And how that relates to like national averages or anything like that. The study that has been done of people who signed up for the campaign did find that people who were drinking the most at the outset were the ones who were least likely to succeed. But that's it. In terms of kind of the physical benefits, it's likely that it, it is likely it's a serious it is a serious point that the more damage you've done, the more likely you are to see some benefit. If you don't see benefit, it might suggest that any consequences like if you're worried about the quality if you're worried about your skin or your sleep it might suggest that there are other other determinants of that but i think think that's important because also 
we want simple answers, but humans yeah. and life isn't simple. And yeah. just because alcohol is associated with all of these things at a population level Absolutely. doesn't mean that you as an individual yeah. will experience that. Because as you say, there's so many other things in your life that might also be impacting on your sleep or impacting yeah. on your skin or yeah. even impacting on your liver function. Like, yeah. There's all sorts of other things. Well, that... diet, diet has a massive influence on your liver function. Yeah. Um, and exercise has an impact on sleep and has yeah. an impact on and your liver function yeah. if you're you know uh, lactic acid if you if you if you're doing a lot of exercise you you processing all the lactic acid etc so uh, it's um yes humans are complicated who knew well, yeah. yes yeah exactly um but yeah it's it's going to be very difficult to attribute even even the things that we do see in people who take part in dry january like like in improve sleep and, and weight loss it's we're never really going to be able to to say who is who is most likely to see those benefits and can we really attribute to what extent can we attribute those to reducing alcohol consumption versus other lifestyle changes that people might make in january what we can say with some certainty though just to label a point is that abstaining for a month is likely to it, it's it's completely implausible that it would be bad for you at least in the short term you know yeah i yeah, mean and yeah. Unless you are a really, really heavy drinker and you have some alcohol withdrawal yes. at, at the offset, in yes. which case... In which case it would be harmful. And al- alcohol concern go to great lengths to say that this campaign is not for you and you should seek, seek specialist treatment. Help. And yeah. one, one of the um, a potential positive consequences of taking part is that people might actually realise that, oh my goodness, I was drinking this much and I'm, you know, I've got... I'm, I'm, they, they might experience um, what they... What they might not immediately notice is alcohol withdrawal, which is a, a certain sign that they should go and seek specialist help. And what what does alcohol withdrawal look like? I know at the very extreme ends you can get things like seizures and That's that kind right. of thing. Is it yeah. s- similar to sort of other kinds of withdrawal that it sort of affects your mood and affects you? Yeah, and that's why... It, you, you probably will be grumpy the first few days, <laughs> but that, again, it's impossible to disambiguate. Also, yeah, that. most people are grumpy the first well, week because you've gone back to work and you're probably on a diet and you probably have to run three times a week or whatever, and uh, and it's still dark when you get up, etc. But you, it's still dark. You don't have Christmas to look forward to anymore. Yeah. Um, oh. So you know these, um, but no, um, the symptoms are um, yeah really severe anxiety. Also, um, hallucinations, like hearing voices and stuff. And at the severe end, kind of convulsions, yeah. fits, etc. And you, I guess things like tremors yeah, as well, exactly, so yeah. in the terms of physical symptoms. Yeah. I think yeah. we uh, that Pip and I talk a lot about this in the alcohol episode of Say Why to Drugs, so I'll link to that here and people can go. And yeah. that's probably worth listening to anyway about this because it talks about sort of what we know about the harms of alcohol and that kind of thing. So we don't really want to sort of go on about that here yeah. because this is about a specific kind yeah. of way that people drink or don't drink for a month and talking about the evidence that exists around it so we try and keep this podcast very kind of here's the evidence and you can then decide what to do but i mean what made you decide to do dry january if that i mean obviously that's too much of a personal question no no not at all Um, no i'm um Two, one is that I, I I do drink more than the guidelines, um, pretty consistently. Not every week, but uh, but most weeks of the year. Not by not by that much. I've recorded another podcast in which I say by how much, but I won't link to that. <laughs> um, but also, I think probably the main reason is is um, just to check that I can, um, and I I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but I do personally 
it it does do what it's supposed to do in that it does make me personally reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. And when I go back to February, I've 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 never I've not extended it beyond February, but as we were just discussing, I have I have taken a month off at other times of the year as well because I realise, hey, it's a good thing to do. Mm. Just um I actually I appreciate alcohol more, which sounds weird, but what I mean is I really you really take note of the alcoholic drinks that you enjoy or the more it's more about occasions. Mm. So you really I really enjoy nice wine with dinner. Um and but I'd be less inclined to finish the bottle just because I've opened it. Or, you know, I I, I really appreciate um, having a drink after work with with friends and colleagues, um, but I might I, I will also see that actually I should just after I've had one or two I'll I'll go home now. You know, whereas you you kind of you you realise when you're drinking out of habit rather than actually enjoying it. Yeah, so. I think that's a really good point. That and it's something that in the alcohol episode talked about with Pip. And he was saying that when he started dating someone who didn't drink, mm-hmm. it just made him think do I want to drink? Whereas previously, when you go out, you think, well, I'm going out, therefore, yeah. I'm going to a gig, or I'm going to a bar, I'm going to mm. out for dinner, I will mm. have an alcoholic drink, because that's what we do. In, yeah. Certainly in this country, it's... it's Absolutely, yeah. It is habit, and in yeah. fact, it's interesting, the, well, I don't know about you, but on various social media at the moment, I'm getting so many adverts for, A, vegan things, for mm-hmm. people doing veganuary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, alcoholic uh, non-alcoholic beers. Yeah. Getting loads and loads of adverts for them, and I think that's really nice that things like that are becoming more sort of normalized and that yeah obviously you don't if you're not going to drink it doesn't mean you have to then drink a sort of alcohol proxy or something that's pretending to be alcohol but isn't because there's plenty of delicious soft drinks or water i like water it's really nice (laughs) but um it's it's nice that these things are becoming more normalized as like not drinking is becoming less seen as something less unusual and i think that's really healthy and i don't mean sort of physically healthy i mean just sort of psychologically healthy it's good that people have more options because much like most drugs there's there's, they're not for everyone and, and alcohol is sort of forced on people yeah. that even if it's not a drug that you particularly enjoy it's one that you're sort of expected to yeah. use almost yeah yeah I mean you can't I think it's 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 go it's bundled along with um, a number of other changes in the UK and our relationship with alcohol so we know that young people um, don't drink as much as they used to um, if, you know we have a we, if you look if you talk to 18-year-olds now, you find that there's a higher proportion of abstainers among people who might be just finishing high school and starting university than, than there has been for years. And as you say, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a general sense that um, across society we're drinking less than we used to be. Um, and sobri- being sober or not, not drinking so heavily is much more socially acceptable than it used to be. And dry January, I think, is part of that. It's difficult to say whether it's kind of contri- a cause of it or a consequence to it, but a consequence of it. So before we uh, wrap up, is there anything else about dry January that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, so one of the most interesting things that came out of the, um, the University of Sussex study was they, they measured a psychological construct called drinking refusal self-efficacy, which is a mealy mouth term but what it means is your confidence in your ability to say no when someone says oh go on what do you go on have just have one. a pint exactly it's only one and it's just a way of quantifying that and what they found was at the end of the month people's drinking refusal self-efficacy had improved compared to how it was at the start of the month which is in um, a way unsurprising um, yeah yeah i mean if they've had a month of practicing of having, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah yeah so like anything 
But what they also found was that that, um, that improvement in drinking refusal self-advocacy was sustained six months later. That so is that, interesting. That's yeah. pretty imp- impressive that, that you you do learn to say no and that it's not that you forget how to say no in February, but to an ex- I mean, the effect obviously weaker, but you, you still maintain it a little bit. Now, that's still, that's, that's subject to the same limitations as everything. It could just be that trying to cut down whatever way you do it makes you better at saying no. Yeah. One of my interests as a researcher, but also kind of thinking about my own kind of relationship with alcohol, is try, I'd like to know a bit more about, well, what are the other psychological changes that occur? So when people recover from addiction in general, and I'm not saying that everyone who takes part in Dry January is addicted to alcohol, but there are probably are some parallels, probably a, a differences in degree rather than in I mean, time. it's certainly habit, even if it's not sort of yeah. addiction. Yeah. There is a habit of drinking alcohol. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So I'd be interested to know, um, like, do people just get better at kind of controlling themselves around alcohol? Do they, as well as saying no, are they actually better at kind of resisting impulses in other ways? Because a lot of the time with alcohol consumption, it's not, it's not saying no to another person, it's saying no to yourself. You know, and so yeah. and we can kind of, we can measure that really. The other thing is, is the value that we attribute to alcohol and to other compete to kind of other things that we could be doing. So, you know, if you cut, if you, if you take an almost um, a behavioral economic view of, of human decision making, everything we do is we, we, we weigh up the pros and cons of, of possible different alternatives. Now it's never going to be that, it's never going to be that simple. But one thing that in my experience happens during dry January is that you kind of realise that alcohol is, you, you, it loses some of its appeal. It really does. And you actually see the enjoyment in doing other things that aren't compatible with, with drinking. And so that balance, call it, you know, we call it motivational balance, that balance changes at the end of the month. And actually when people, so that's just what happens during dry January, but we know that when people recover from addiction, that one of the most important things when people recover is they need something, something else in their lives to replace the drugs or alcohol, something meaningful, something that gives value. And we also know that they kind of, they're less, the drugs, when people have recovered, the drugs have less appeal to them. So I'd be really interested um, in kind of tracking these things, in tracking changes in how much you value alcohol and how much you have to, how much you're able to control yourself um, around alcohol, tracking those things over the course of the month and seeing if that those changes are maybe useful to predict kind of how you're doing six months later. I guess what would be a really good predictor mm. is if it made you better at saying no after you'd started drinking. Because yeah. that is the thing with alcohol that yeah. makes it so difficult because you can have the best intentions in the world. Yeah. But if you say, I'm only going to have two pints, once you've had those two pints... You, your ability to kind of yeah. hold that in mind and remember why you'd thought it and, yeah. and that kind of thing, that's really impacted by being intoxicated. Absolutely, yeah. And so if there was a way of keeping up your ability to say no once you were under yeah. the influence of alcohol, yeah. then that could potentially be really useful. And it could well be that that is a really important skill, but maybe that is not a skill that you learn by doing dry January, but you might learn that skill if you try and reduce your drinking in other ways. Mm. So if you just try and say, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to reduce my drinking and I'm going to do that by only having a couple of drinks a day, but then I'm going to stop. Then you are really forcing yourself to learn the skill of saying no when you're already a little bit intoxicated. And it could well be, and it's a question, it's it's a question that could be tested. It could well be that trying to reduce your drinking in that way might actually... Have a have a have a more beneficial effect in the long term, precisely for the reasons you say that you might learn to say no yeah. when you've had a few. But 
with dry maybe what taking part of dry January does is it stop it reduces the number of drinking occasions it reduces the number of times you actually start drinking but once you've started it might do nothing for you but it's it's a it's a question that could be tested yeah now the last question I was going to ask you which I think we've probably already covered and given that you are taking part in dry January I know I think I know what your answer will be but I was going to ask do you think the evidence is strong enough to warrant taking part in dry January it's biologically implausible that it would that that it would be harmful and it's it's very likely that it would give you at least a short-term benefit so I would certainly recommend anyone to take part in it because even if you don't experience all the promised benefits like improvement in sleep you will you will at least save some money you might you might spend it on other things but you will at least save some money Uh, and you probably will learn something about yourself so I don't think it does any harm but it is important to remember that it isn't it is not going to undo years or decades of, of the consequences of that um and but it doesn't give you a carte blanche to then get hammered for the rest of the year no absolutely not no um but is the evidence is is the evidence convincing that it actually has a long-term effect on your health or on your alcohol consumption i'd have to say at the moment it isn't um but equally there's no evidence that it makes you drink more that doesn't mean it doesn't have those benefits it just means we haven't tested it well enough exactly yeah either way and if you if you look on if you look on particularly on comment pieces under news articles about dry january you'll find lots of people saying it's a waste of time because people just get hammered in february and there and i know people who will get hammered in february and but they may even drink more in february than they than they, than they, they would have done, done otherwise yeah. who knows it's a question we can't test but there's always going to be examples of people that do exactly yeah. that but until we properly test it in a big sample of people we won't know um, but even when we do that it's going to be it's just going to tell us an average isn't it yeah. it's not it's, it's not still going to be population level rather than yeah. how it will affect you as an individual for taking yeah. part but if you go into it with the mentality of right i'm just going to have a month off and then i'm going to carry on as i was then, um, then you, that's what that's exactly what you'll do. Yeah. If you go into it with the mentality of "I'm going to do it," I'm being reflective. I'm go- yeah, it's going to give my body a bit of a break, and I'll use it to kind of f- think re- think about my relationship with alcohol. Then that I, there's there's more chance that you will actually change your drinking in the long term. Well, that seems like a good place to finish it. Thank you very much, Professor Matfield. Thank you. And there we go. I hope you found that as interesting as I did. To those of you who are doing dry January at the moment, keep up the good work. And to those of you not, I hope that January is treating you okay. And see you all soon for more episodes. Bye. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray. The artwork was by at My Name Is Ad. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council, and Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.